A counselor, a coach, and a spiritual director walk into a bar. What comes next is either the greatest punchline of all time or a conversational cocktail that could change your marriage forever. Jake, Liz, and John are tackling marriage struggles from three different angles. Only you know which one will help you the most. So grab your favorite beverage, listen in, and decide who you're going to call. Hi, uh, and welcome back to Who You Gonna Call podcast. My name is Jacob Kalix. I'm here with Liz and John. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about how we as counselor, coach, and spiritual director can help specifically with marriages uh, and those who are seeking some education resource in that area, as well as how you would begin the process of gaining contact with one of us. Our first episode, uh, we introduced ourselves, shared our different philosophies um, and what we love about what we do. Um, and so today is just kind of a continuation of that conversation. Um, so as we get started here, I just kind of, again, want to welcome you all um, and hope you uh, enjoy the vibe. All right, so let's kind of get started here. So. John, Liz, I wonder if you guys can share with us how as a coach, as a spiritual director, and then myself as a counselor, how you can help uh, marriages or married couples. Liz, we'll start with you. <laughs> I'm over here pointing at John like, you go first. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> can you repeat the question? <laughs> uh, but no, the question is, is how as a coach... Um, can you help married couples? Oh my gosh. How as a coach can I not help married couples? Um, I love this question. This is a fun one because I think it makes me think of when I was in college and uh, I was in a literature class and my professor, Dr. Craig, was trying to explain um, spousal arguments. I don't remember why. It had something to do with story building, but because uh, I was an English writing major. But he was basically saying, like, when a wife comes into a room and says, why don't you pick up the socks? You never pick up your damn socks. And he's like, it's not about the socks, right? And I think what I liked about that was it, it was sort of my first introduction that everything can be a marriage problem if it's bothering you enough. So whether you have work problems or clutter or parenting problems or I don't know, you're just you're just stressed by basic life inconveniences. You can turn it into a marriage problem when you get home because you feel safest with your spouse. So that's the person you unload on. That's the person that you let down your guard with. You know, I've, I've coached women who say my husband is super like active at work and then he comes home and he's just a couch potato. And why don't I get any of that energy? And I'm like, well, because he feels safe at home because he's comfortable at home because he doesn't have to perform for you. He knows that you love him and that you accept him unconditionally. So he's not going to show you his best side all the time. He's going to show you the side that's tired, the side that's done with life. Um, so I like this about coaching because a lot of the time you can start out coaching somebody on something else and you end up at their marriage or vice versa. You start coaching them on a basic life stressor and, or you start coaching them on their marriage and you end up back at a basic life stressor. That's actually, mm -hmm. they're bringing that heaviness into marriage. So mm -hmm. anyways, so I've, I've found that a lot. I know coaches, all kinds of coaches. I know business coaches, emotions coaches, strengths coaches. Um, I, I know coaches who coach coaches. <laughs> I know all the coaches and they've all coached on marriage at some point because all of those other things show up in your marriage or they get affected by your marriage. So for me, I'm specifically a marriage coach and I specifically coach women on their husband's temperaments and how their temperaments and their strengths can help them show up better in their marriages, but also how to, um, how to interact better with their husband's temperaments and their husband's strengths and their husband's weaknesses. Because a lot of the time people come to you and I'm sure you both can, you know, see this in your own experiences with spiritual direction and with counseling, people come wanting you to fix the other guy. Like, like they're the ones showing up, but they're like, well, really, I'm just here for you to fix this person. And I like the thing I like to do in, in coaching is to be like, well, how do your strengths make you the perfect wife for that guy? How do your strengths help you deal better with his flaws? How do his strengths show up in your marriage? And how can you start reframing them in your mind so that you actually see that what he's contributing is a good 
he might just be in an overuse pattern or he might just be, you know, it might not be the way you would handle the situation. So you think it's broken or wrong. Uh, so for me, a lot of coaching ends up being about helping wives understand their husbands better so that their marriage is improved. And I do that through temperaments. And so it's, it's really fascinating because it, it really does, it really does show you this area of marriage where like, you don't need to work through anything big and heavy like you would bring to a counselor. You need to work through like a basic life mm-hmm. irritation or daily like mm-hmm. tick. And and it's this great opportunity to bring it to a coach and be like, this really bothers me. Sometimes you even feel stupid about the fact that it bothers you. Like right now I'm coaching women on their beliefs about their husband and how many, I have a group coaching program right now and how many, um, and we're also doing expectations and how many of our expectations are unspoken expectations of our spouses. We just think, well, I saw my parents do this. So this is how marriage is. Or I always imagined that it would be like this, or I saw my parents do this and I don't want this to show up in my marriage. So this is how you have to show up or this is how you should be as a parent. You know, like women have judgments about how their husbands father their children because my dad was like this and this is how dads are. So anyways, this is a lot to say that like you bring up not only those beliefs, but those beliefs about beliefs and those expectations and just those little naggy things that show up in every marriage. And a coach helps you kind of step outside and you both get to look at it for a minute, sort of as scientists, sort of objectively. You don't, you're not in the emotion of the moment, but you're just kind of glancing at it going, what happened here? And a coach kind of helps you see your own mind and unravel those thoughts and those emotions that aren't helping you and process those. So, uh-huh. so yeah, so that's, that's a way, <laughs> that's the yeah, ways I... that a coach helps marriage. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that, Liz. I, 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 I have to laugh though. You know the statement of helping wives understand their husbands better. It's like you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're speaking to to two husbands, and it's like, yeah, understand <laughs> me better. Yeah, please I'm here do. for you, man. Say thank you. Yeah, I was gonna say so. So, so help, help us, help us, help you as wives. Not not all the wives, particularly our wives, particularly my wife. Well, first of all, make sure that if they're talking to me, you guys take the kids and let them talk to me. I'm I'm here for you, man. You gotta give me time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the number one way. Make space, let them be coached. Mm. Well, you know, it's just neat that you know, you talk about want to help the wives specifically in their marriages and in the relationship with their husbands. Mm-hmm. Um you can see how that would be, yeah, for sure, beneficial, you know, especially going and working through the expectations. Um, mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting because in the last episode, you kind of explained that as a coach, you're particularly about coaching uh, your clients while they're playing the game, right? Obviously, you kind of use the analogy mm-hmm. that if you got a broken leg, you got to see a doctor first. You know, I'm the coach on the li- right. sideline coaching you in the game. So when you mention you know, uh, the, the problems of marriage, you know, mm-hmm. I wonder if you can kind of speak to the distinctions between, you know, the everyday problems that you would go see a coach in uh, with in relationship to your marriage mm-hmm. than to a counselor mm-hmm. in your experience mm-hmm. that you see. Mm, that's really good. Now I'll say there's some overlap and there are times when I do have to tell my clients, Ooh, that's a big one. And you know, you might want to check in with a counselor for that one. Uh, but you know, I recently just to use a couple of recent examples. I coached a woman on, she and her husband are trying to buy a house and there's just a lot of stressors and, you know, they've got some money mind drama. So I'm not coaching them on their finances, but I'm coaching them about how to think about their finances. Right. Uh, I coached another woman recently on, um, you know, uh, some fertility situations that were happening in her marriage where she wanted, she was ready to try again and have another baby and he wasn't. And so we just sort of talked about the differences in personalities. It came out that she was choleric and she was very like, she had a lot of, she was good at planning and that's how she healed was to plan the next thing and to fix the problem. Right. But he is phlegmatic melancholic. He's very, he internalizes things and he, so his suffering is going to be less active and longer lasting. So how can she show up for him and give him that space? Right. So just experiences like that, where 
it's not necessarily that anything's wrong. It's just that there's, it's not perfectly smooth. There's some things that need to be kind of ironed out. And I, again, I really like working through expectations because I tend to coach mm. a lot of choleric women on their phlegmatic husbands and they really want him to show up super actively and he's just never going to. And so to kind of remove that expectation, but then see what is good about him and the way he shows up. He's always peaceful. Like the guy is shooting for harmony and ease all the time. And that's such a cool thing because he's able to look at the complicated problem. Let's say you're melancholic and you really overcomplicate your problems. Mm. He's able to look at that super complicated problem and bring a really simple solution. Mm -hmm. that maybe you wouldn't have thought of, right? Or like your sanguine husband, who's like kind of off on bunny trails all the time and he's super excitable and he just like, he always has new ideas, but he doesn't finish a lot of projects. Like how can you enjoy that about him? How can you kind of delight in the fact that he finds so much fun in life? And maybe if you're choleric and super goal-driven, you're not finding that much fun and he's gonna bring that sparkle back, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's fun to kind of help women kind of look at those those everyday, even just the way they read their husband's texts. Mm. Like I coached a woman one time where she was like, well, he didn't even acknowledge that I did this thing. Like he sent me this really silly text. And as I was coaching her, she pulled up the text and she reread it. And she said, oh, he did. Mm. He did acknowledge it. I just, I didn't read it right. And it's like, yeah, like how many, how much drama is created in marriage because you misread a text because you couldn't hear the tone or you mm -hmm. just, you had your own expectation of what he should say. And then he said this other thing and you're like, what was that about dude? That's not what I wanted to hear. And it's like, well, maybe it's not what you wanted to hear, but it's how he phrased it. And can you mm -hmm. see the goodwill behind it? I know personally, most of my discussions with my husband that go sour, go sour because I misunderstand something he says. Like his intentions are so good. He's such a solidly good guy, but he'll say that one thing. And it's a, a word that I don't, you know, it doesn't click for me in my brain. Mm -hmm. And so I get frustrated and then he explains himself and I'm like, Oh, huh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so as you were, as you were talking, I was wondering, he <clears throat> said, there's a lot of, um, choleric personalities mm -hmm. that are seeking coaching is that part of the cleric personality? I think go, oh, so. There is a, I, I have I another so, goal, and so therefore, I don't have a lot of phlegmatic clients, mm. but the ones I do are super okay with their current situation, which is a very yeah. phlegmatic thing. Like they're good with the status quo. So, like, I worked with one woman, and I was like, "Okay, this is a weakness of yours. What do you want to do about it?" And she's like, "I mean, I'm kind of cool with that. Like, it's fine. It's not like <laughs> it's not like tragic. It's not really hurting me." And I'm like, "That's awesome. Like, you you guys are so chill. Like, this is a level of chill mm -hmm. I don't understand." Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I wonder about, like, is the choleric just, I think so, clerics and so melancholics are more likely to seek help. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So, like, with the, the mm -hmm. phlegmatic just being the easygoing, how does... How does that affect the coaching? Just, oh, I got weakness. Well, a Terrific. lot of the times Great. you have to kind of now tap what? into their motivations and their <laughs> motivations are all about harmony, peace, ease, connectedness. They want to connect with other people. So if you can help them see that their weakness is keeping them from an easier life, from a more harmonious life, from a better, deeper connection with someone, that would be a motivation. But you also can't give them any urgency. Phlegmatics don't want to be rushed. Like you try to rush them, they shut down. You criticize them, they shut down. They need lots of encouragement for baby steps and they need lots of time. Hmm. So you tell them, hey, you don't have a time limit on this. You can fix this. You could, it could take six months, it could take mm -hmm. three years. It doesn't matter. We're just gonna mm -hmm. start the process. We're gonna start the process and we're gonna celebrate the little wins. Yeah. So that's how you work with a phlegmatic. <laughs> you know, you, you say a lot of good things, Liz, you know, and I, and it's one of those things as three of us, I, I think we can be, you know, we could obviously easily drag this out to like two hours, three hours because we like to talk. Mm. Um, but mm -hmm. I do want to ask this question though, because I think this is kind of important. You mentioned that you work with your, with your clients, particularly women, wives, to help them mm -hmm. change their perception about the husband. I'm wondering if you mm -hmm. have encountered experiences with how they see themselves, um, mm -hmm. maybe in regards to shame, in regards mm -hmm. to I'm a bad mom, I'm a bad mm -hmm. wife, um, mm -hmm. and how you as a coach um, and you in the modality that you use, because mm -hmm. I know you, you, you use a lot of temperaments, how you mm -hmm. can help them. That's a fun one because... I run into this. I know, I think, I can't say this with any official, you know, statement here, but <laughs> I would be pretty darn sure 
I feel pretty confident that most women think that their temperament and their strengths are the broken ones. I, I've noticed that when I coach women on their temperaments, they see their strengths as weaknesses or as, you know, just different flaws. Uh, I coached a choleric woman recently who felt that her goal-drivenness was a problem, period. Like, it was something that didn't work for her in her marriage. And I was trying to reframe it for her and show her, but what if being goal-driven makes you the perfect woman for this situation? Because you're going to improve your marriage no matter what. Like, you are focused. You're, like... A phlegmatic wouldn't have that energy to bring to improving their marriage. They'd be like, oh, well, I guess this is how I live, right? Versus like that choleric has that drive. Like, that's beautiful. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. The majority of saints are cholerics or melancholics. There's just Woo. most saints have those two personality <laughs> types because the melancholics go deep and the cholerics like vision and purpose, right? So, you know, for me being primarily sanguine, I always thought of that as a problem because people tell you it's a problem. They tell you all the time that like, uh, you just like life isn't that much fun, Liz, or it's not that, you know, it's not that perfect. Like relax. Like, you know, it's, it's not, they always want you to like tamper down your dreams, you know, and, and life isn't a fairy tale and it doesn't always work out perfectly and blah, blah, blah. And I am sanguine and melancholic. So I think everything's fun and I think everything's supposed to be perfect. So I always mm. felt like those two things were very broken and it's taken me a long time in learning about the temperaments and coaching myself to understand that those are gifts I bring to the table, that when I walk into a room, I lighten the mood. You know, one of the things I noticed in coaching was a lot of coaches are very, um, they're very soft-spoken and they mm. speak a little bit more slowly and they have a lot of peace and it's beautiful. And I love to be coached like people like that, but it's not my vibe. I'm loud and mm -hmm. I laugh a lot and mm -hmm. I say dumb things and, and I, <laughs> right, seriously. And I end up every time I'm on a coaching call, I make everybody laugh. Every time. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that was a problem. Like, well, I'm, I'm not taking this seriously enough or I'm not bringing the proper like mood mm -hmm. to this moment. But I, it took me a while to be like, no, but that's going to attract a certain type of person who needs it to be light, who needs it to be fun, who needs to find the joy. And it does. And people really like that and they compliment me on it. And so it's just this interesting thing of realizing that most of us, I think, are laboring, especially women. I don't know so much about men. You guys would have to tell me. But I think most women <laughs> are laboring under the idea that my temperament is busted and this is the right temperament over here. And I need to be more mm. like that instead of just diving into what God gave you. I remember for a long time, I thought melancholics, I was like, God just made melancholics to screw them over because they want the perfect and life is never perfect. And they're always sad. And it was like, well, no, like melancholics are here to remind us that there's more that we're not made for this earth, that we are made for perfect. Like that's hopeful. That's beautiful. And we want to just like shut them down because we're like, it's not real. And it's like, actually, it's more real than this. This isn't as real as perfect is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> with that, with that mindset, have you found common denominators like <clears throat> that women? Is it? I don't even know. There seems to be an approach to or a mindset to this temperaments hmm. certain temperaments are more gifted than others and i have this thing and so therefore i am more broken than the person sitting next to me with a different because mm -hmm. maybe all the saints have this other temperament like where is that coming from where I have mean, you seen I, that i see from? it in every temperament and i just think it's i think it was Brene brown at one point who said something about how women carry a lot of different um like fears and men only carry one and the man's only fear is that he'll show up weak. And mm. so that's like his main fear that bothers him the most. But women have all of these insecurities, all of these struggles. And I think that women just always think everybody else is doing this better. And I mean, social media doesn't help, right? Like the world is telling you that everybody's doing it better than you. But I just think, I think it's a way because if you think about let's let's get a little theological here and John you can you can you can check this if i'm wrong but i think about the fall with adam and eve right and what were the two things that happened there eve was afraid she was missing out on something so she grasped for something she didn't have and adam just stood there like the mm -hmm. the if i'm remembering correctly the original translation says that he was at her elbow and he just watched 
and listened and didn't do anything. So now women are constantly grasping for this thing that they think they need to be happy. And men aren't speaking up and they're being weak. And those are our two struggles that we deal with. And Mm -hmm. I think it was John Eldridge who sort of pointed that out in Captivating, the book Captivating. But that concept that like it's a lie from the pits of hell that we've been told by the devil that we're not enough. And we keep looking for that thing that's going to make us enough. And it's always something somebody else has that I wasn't given naturally. Like I'm innately broken and that guy over there, that girl over there has the thing and I need to get that thing, but I'm not good at that thing because it's not natural to me. So I'm going to fail at it all the time and I'm always going to feel bad about it versus actually looking at what I do have and seeing how can I build that up so it ends up being just as good, if not better than that thing over there that I think I need. As you were talking, I was just reminded of the the three things that Eve saw in the fruit that it was pleasing to the eye, desirable for attaining mm. wisdom and right. good for food. Right. Like none of those are bad things, but the greater thing right. was to be obedient to God. And like, <clears throat> just as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, how often yeah. do I or any of us, I would imagine, uh, look at the mm-hmm. other gifts of the other and see those good things, but those right. aren't the best for us because that's not what God has created right. each individual mm-hmm. of one right. of us. No, for, I, or, I, know. I did the Clifton strengths, um, test recently and my number 34 lowest it can get is self-assurance and I have idolized self-assurance my entire life because everybody I know who seems self-assured I'm like so cool you guys are so awesome my number Mm -hmm. one is empathy I've always thought of that as a weakness because I thought it made me insincere like oh well I can see why everybody like I can see everybody's points in an argument like if you put me in the middle of five people and they all (laughs) want me to take their side I'm taking all of their sides through different points of the argument because I'm like that makes so much sense I see why you did that oh Mm -hmm. I see why you made that decision because of this thing in your past. Like I always see their point and it always felt like a weakness because it felt like I was playing sides Mm -hmm. and it's like, no, I'm just honestly entering into the moment with you and being like, Oh, that must be so hard. And it took Mm -hmm. me a while to realize that that makes me a good coach like to be able to enter into the moment and like work from that space Mm -hmm. instead of self-assurance where I'm like, well, I know what you should do. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) No, Mm -hmm. not that that's how self-assured people are. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to all my self-assured listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> which i'm sure that would be an obstacle for some people too to go oh well she's just a know-it-all right. and, you know giving me right. wisdom instead yeah. of actually totally. listening to me yeah no oh, I, this I, is fun I, you guys gave me like a ton of time to talk about this <laughs> oh yeah well you're passionate about what you, you do and i think that it's so important and it's interesting <laughs> because as you share this with us you know it's not just about why is coaching for you mm-hmm. right helpful mm-hmm. for married couples specifically wives but why mm-hmm. you, as Liz, <laughs> would make a good coach for wives. You oh, know, you bring such yeah. a uniqueness to it. Um, and I think that is so important. And this is going to be a little bit later on as to part of the process, at least from my perspective as a counselor, is that you mm-hmm. want someone who you can connect with. You know, so finding mm-hmm. a coach mm-hmm. like Liz, like, you know what, I don't mm-hmm. want just a coach. I want Liz. Um, <laughs> I listened to a business coach who said that one time where she was like, no one's discerning between me and these other business coaches. They're, they already know which business coach they want. You know, as soon as you hear them, you're like, oh, I know that one, that one's going to work for me, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, so we're going to dive into that a little bit later, but first I want to hear from you, John, as a spiritual director, how you provide care uh, and aid to married couples. So the the first basic principle that I, um, I can think of is that God is supposed to be the center of our marriages, the anchor for our marriages. Mm. And in marriage for us as, as Catholics, as Christians, this is a vocation. We are called by God into this for, this, for our own sanctification and then the sanctification of our spouses and kids, but first our salvation. Um, and so mm-hmm. part of that spiritual direction that drawing closer to God is figuring mm. out, well, where is God in the diapers and in the laundry and <laughs> in the meal prep and in the, and in the fights with my phlegmatic or <laughs> melancholic or all of the temperaments person. And, you know, <clears throat> how, mm. how do I draw close to God in this? How am I being led closer to him um, in the midst of all that? Um, and without someone like a spiritual director or uh, there are other models of spiritual accompaniments, whether it's a small group um, or one-on-one 
spiritual direction. Um, if there isn't someone that you can share here the struggles or here's where I'm seeing God, um, that becomes very difficult. We become more isolated. Um, we get run down and perhaps we just sit on the couch or become the worst version of ourselves rather than who God created us and is calling us to be in our marriages and family life. Uh, so one of the things I think spiritual direction is is so wonderful for in within the marriage context is um, is each individual, the husband and wife, really coming to and coming close, mm. becoming the saint God has called them to be individually, so that they can then pour themselves out as holy person into their spouse and into their their family and into their workplace. Um, and mm. you know, in in marriage, there's a lot of uh, ongoing discernment that needs to happen, right? Mm. You know, where are we going to take a job? Where are we going to move to? Mm -hmm. You know, this this uh, financial situation has come up, or should we have more kids? Or should we have more kids now? Or um, like, should we mm -hmm. have dinner over here? Or should we stick on budget? Or is it now time to celebrate and splurge? <laughs> like all these things that can become um, that can become fighting points can mm. be moments of discernment. Where yeah. is God leading us in this moment? Um, okay, we're having this. We're having this struggle. Mm. Why? What's at the root of this struggle? Um, mm. Have we taken this to God in prayer and really laid it before the Lord individually? And then have we done that together as a couple, as a family? Mm -hmm. And then as we're working through mm. our own prayer life, you know, let's let's say it's uh, it's should we have more kids, uh, or should you know another job you know be considered? What's the Lord speaking to me? Okay, here's what the Lord's bringing up to me. Now I share that with my spouse, but now I also need an outside opinion, not really opinion, but an outside listening ear who is tuned into the Holy Spirit to help say, ah, here are the, the patterns that I'm hearing from you. Have you considered um, that God is, is revealing this to you? Uh, or that um, perhaps you're resisting something that God's inviting you to, um, or that maybe there's a wound in there mm. from your childhood, a spiritual wound that has revealed a false image of God to you that you now you're drawing from and imposing on your, your life as a mother, mm -hmm. uh, father, wife, husband, or just, you know, family person. And so all that <clears throat> can become part mm. of the, the content for the spiritual direction session. Yeah. You know, as it, long as it's prayer I'm involved. fascinated, John, you, you mentioned, any discernment. So I, I'm very excited to hear how one discerns and how you as the spiritual director aids in that. But something that I picked up of what you shared with us um, is patterns. Are there I, I literally patterns? wrote that on my paper and have like four yeah, squares written I'm, around it. Like that is fascinating. I'm intrigued. Yeah. So what do you, what, do you, what, what intrigued you about the patterns? Um, I suppose... From a counseling perspective, let's say um, patterns in my terminology is defense mechanisms. You know, mm. it's like, okay, you know, especially I love, mm. I'm getting off track, but just a little bit in, you know, therapy 101, the here and now, what's happening between me and my client, I'll notice that they'll look away or I'll notice um, that they minimize, mm -hmm. you know, their experience. And I, I see this continue through our conversation. So I was like, hey, you know, I make mention of that pattern. Um, so like psychologically speaking, behaviorally speaking, that's what I think of when it comes to patterns. Yeah. So um, in the context of a spiritual direction session, um, at least the, the style that I've been trained in, and I think many um, spiritual directors have been trained in, where they are listening to the person share what, what has been going on in their conversation with God in prayer. What gets brought up, um, either from their journaling, their month long, or however long it's been time of prayer, or even on the spot, what comes to mind is brought forward. And if a spiritual director is truly allowing the Holy Spirit to, to lead the conversation, he or she can pick up, oh, this quote unquote random piece of information or story that you shared at the beginning of our session today actually has a connection mm. point to something you're struggling with right now. And so it's noticing what are the divine yeah. patterns, not psychological patterns, but the divine patterns that we're seeing, where are the overlaps? And because the spiritual director is outside of the situation, outside of that, that prayer experience, there, there is an ability mm -hmm. to kind of get a, a bigger overview. And also just the prompting of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> to go, okay, 
this word is popping up in my in my head <clears throat> as you're speaking about fill in the blank. Mm. Does that mean anything to you? Or, you know, you really you really, you know, wrestled with this particular passage from scripture that, you know, we're supposed to go to. Hmm. Uh, can you tell me more about that? And then seeing what erupts and it may be a memory comes up. Okay, well, why, why did that memory happen? Um, and for, for my style of uh, spiritual direction, they're supposed to be praying with a grace each time, a specific grace or a gift of God. And so it might be, how does this, how do you see this hmm. connecting with the grace you've been asking for? Um, and, and sometimes it's also, man, you've been, you've been asking for this specific grace and you shared this particular thing that happened on day 35. <laughs> How beautiful that that seems to be a gift mm. of the Lord. And to like see the, the, the mind explode, like, oh my gosh, Aww. I didn't connect those things at all. <laughs> um, is, it's just a beautiful thing. And that's something yeah. that, you know, bringing it back to that marriage part is, is so awesome and beautiful mm-hmm. to see for, for marriages. Oh, you've been wrestling with, mm-hmm. you know, having the decision to have another child. Let's say I don't know why I'm harping on that one, but I guess marriage <laughs> and family life. You can tell Jake about it later, John. <laughs> There's a pattern there. <laughs> There's a pattern there. <laughs> but but maybe, uh, f- you know, maybe it's okay. Why is that such a tension point for you? Mm. What's let's dig a little bit deeper into that. Where is God leading you? Where are you resisting His grace and invitation? Um, where is He inviting you to more complete trust in Him? Perhaps it is. Um, and just seeing where are the wounds, where are the, the tangles and knots Satan has introduced through his lies and, and deceits and, and whatnot. Um, like I remember um, talking with someone who, who they were, they were caught up in the, the comparison mode, you know, compare, compare and despair. I think someone, someone told me where they were looking at someone else's family life and it just looked so, so awesome and happy and, um, you know, they've got tons and tons of kids and, you know, they, they've got their house and like the dream, pic- the, the perfect picture dream for this particular person. And that disturbed them inside and, the, and, you know, they were griping about that with God. Okay. So you're kind of bitter at God for not providing you the same kind of graces that you're seeing from this other person. Why is that? What are you desiring? Um, it reveals a desire of your heart, which God has planted there, but you're maybe focusing on the wrong thing. What is God saying into this? Um, yeah, so yeah, it's it's to strengthen the people in the marriage and then that discernment piece. Um, yeah, I think I can only imagine, you know, being a married man, learn to discern, but to discern with your spouse. You know, I think we can all attest that part of our journey to our vocation was how we discern as individuals into our vocation. Like how do I discern between priesthood and married life uh-huh. or you know, the consecrated life to, okay, now that I've accomplished that, if you want to use that word, how do I discern with a whole nother person who has their own temperaments, who has their own perceptions, their own needs and desires. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of another level of discernment mm-hmm. there that, yeah, I would say I'm going to need a spiritual director on this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's interesting because I, I know for me, I think my, my way of discerning did change after marriage because mm. I love, like I was raised in a household where there are no coincidences and God sends you little like mm-hmm. hugs and kisses throughout the day and you see what he wants. <laughs> right. And I felt like God used my desire and it's funny to say this out loud, but my desire for signs to kind of hook me because I was always looking for signs to do things. Right. And now my last name is signs, which is That's so funny. funny, but the last hook <laughs> for my vocation was, um, I actually, a few months before Albert and I started dating, I went to confession and the priest in confession told me to, I don't even know why it was, it felt really random, but he told me to ask the blessed mother to pick my husband because I wasn't smart enough to pick him. So I did. And a few months later, Albert asked me out and we went on our first date. And as we were walking around the tidal basin in Washington, DC on our first date, I asked him if he had any specific devotions to the blessed mother. And that's when he told me that his middle name was Guadalupe. And she was like my family's person growing up. Like we went to our lady Guadalupe parish Mm. and she was a big deal for us. So, you know, that was my, I'm done. Like I knew like from that moment on, I was like, well, this is the guy I found him. Thanks mom. You know, (laughs) like, but since then Mm -hmm. (laughs) I haven't had as much experience with signs in my life. Like 
it feels like when Albert and I got married, mm. it became very much like what my spiritual director pointed out to me, which I didn't realize was a pattern, was he pointed out that I always hear God really clearly in adoration, that I can pray all these other ways, but when I'm in Eucharistic adoration, I seem to get the most peace and I seem to get the most clarity. So he, I, I guess I sort of knew that, but it was him saying, you need to take this adoration. You always get clarity in adoration. I was like, I do always mm. get clarity in adoration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but that became a way that Albert and I discerned where it's like, if we have a question, we take yeah. an adoration hour and adoration. we always end up coming Ooh, home okay. with peace. Even if it's not the answer we like or we wanted, there's mm-hmm. always like peace and clarity about, okay, well, we have to do this thing and it feels really dumb and like not a good idea. And like, it's not going to help us, but it's what God's calling us to do. And it's always the right way. So I just, yeah. I really appreciated mm. hearing you say the word pattern. Cause I was like, yes, like yeah. I have patterns yeah. and yeah. I don't think about it until somebody from the outside points it out to me. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the spiritual direction is to be able to say here, especially if you have a longer standing relationship with a spiritual director, they mm-hmm. can say, you sure. have been here before, whether it's the good or the bad, <laughs> you have been here before. Right. What did you do last time? Okay. Now, right. you know, you've been aware. Now you can, now you can appropriately act. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've had the same so, spiritual director for almost 10 years now. So we <laughs> go way awesome. back. <laughs> <laughs> He's used to me now. <laughs> hmm. So, so John, I had to ask then, you know, you shared again how a spiritual director aids and, uh, and can give so much hope, honestly, um, in marriages. Why you particularly? Why John? Hmm. Well, if the Lord says so, then you kind of have to. No. <laughs> so, um, but like, why would why would someone you know in the sermon like okay, I want a spiritual director? Why would they want to pick you? Why would they want to pick me? Because uh, perhaps because those big brown eyes. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> and the big fluffy ears. <laughs> um, it could be because they're they've been referred to uh, to me by um, by someone else. So the truth of the matter is. There aren't a lot of spiritual directors out there, as you both mm. may know. Uh, there's not a lot of spiritual <laughs> directors that perhaps have time slots. Um, mm. So someone may okay. find me or another spiritual director and simply make the, the first introduction, I'm looking for a spiritual director, help me out. And then after that, it's, it's uh, Jacob, I think you had mentioned, it's got to mm-hmm. be a good fit. Is the temperament mm. right for this for me? Um, is there, are there any barriers uh, in our discussions? Like I, I was in a session with, with someone who at the end um, said, I got to be honest with you. I had a lot of hiccups being with you for the first half because you're so young. You're about the, the, as young as my son. So mm. the physical like yeah. appearance was an obstacle for him mm-hmm. at, on the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So some of that comes into play. Um, Schedules. Mm-hmm. I can go. coach him through that. Here's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <years> your signs. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is important to find someone who who you mesh yeah. with, who you gel with, and who God has placed yeah. into into your life. I work with a lot of great counselors, um, but everyone's unique. Everyone's different, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's so cool to see that um, because it goes so well. You as the audience is unique, is different. So mm-hmm. it's important, you know. Um, for myself as a counselor, right? So like how I help marriages um, in particular. So um, there essentially like kind of three components, right? A facilitator, a companion, and an educator, okay? So typically I really encourage anyone and anyone to go to counseling. Maybe that's just me. I'm biased. Gotcha. <laughs> but when it comes to marriages, you know, and dating couples, you know, mm-hmm. so I have worked with, and I do work with dating, engaged, and married. And the mm-hmm. kind of neat thing is, um, is that counseling doesn't have to be just such a broad, it doesn't have to be such a deep problem. And mm-hmm. I'll kind of get into that a little bit with the education, but as a facilitator. So when I work with married couples, you know, a lot of it is playing referee. Um, <laughs> I think I may have mentioned on the first episode that my approach, I take um, uh, Gottman marriage counseling modality. And that modality has a lot of practical tools. And so one of the things I find very valuable in my sessions with my married couples is I give them tools 
and I have them practice it in session. Mm. Does it go well? There's a lot of mess. There's a lot of mess. That's something that I had to learn as a young counselor is embrace the mess uh, mm-hmm. because there are learning skills that they may not have learned before. And so they're going to say things and do things and there's going to be a lot of emotions. And there has been. And so part of my role and how I help them is to facilitate and cultivate opportunities for connection and opportunities for conversation kind of this concept of like this referee of like, hey, let's stop there. Let's back up. You know, what did you say that was hurtful? Let's switch that around. Mm. Let's try it again. I have found, you know, many of the husbands have shared with me the appreciation for the role that I take in that capacity uh, because a lot of it is, yeah, I don't know what to say. And so mm-hmm. being the facilita- facilitator saying, hey, try this, or hey, try that, or hey, notice this, mm-hmm. let's try mm-hmm. that again. Mm-hmm. They have, have a lot of experience like that empowerment that, okay, I have someone who's kind of guiding me through these skills to overcome these obstacles. So being a facilitator is significant. Mm-hmm. Um, the second component, you know, I value being a companion, right? I, I'm not going to waste your time to try to convince you of what you to, what you're supposed to believe about your marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I do right. believe each marriage is so unique. So, really, it's not even about having a great marriage that looks like someone else's, but learning to have the tools to design your own mm-hmm. marriage, mm-hmm. but walking that journey with the couple, right? And so, as married couples go, I sit there and I walk with them, right? That empathy, the the active listening you know, and the observations, you know, just I'm here to take on and work with you guys in your burdens um, Mm -hmm. to help you guys achieve your victories. It's neat, though, because then, you know, when I work with engaged couples, the dynamic is different because Mm -hmm. now they're preparing to get married. And so it may seem, well, there's not a lot of significant issues, but I'm here as a guide. Hey, I'm someone who may have some things to think about you know, some resources to give to you. And I walk with you in your preparation to this incredible, incredible, sanctifying, and yes, difficult vocation, you know? Mm-hmm. And so giving them that reassurance that, hey, it's going to be okay, and B, get ready, buckle up, this is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a companion to the married couples and to the engaged couples has something that I, I love doing. One of the things I love about being a counselor is to be a companion. Mm-hmm. And that last part there, right, an educator, it, a lot of it is psychoeducation. You know, in other words, is, hey, try this, you know, or just the explanation of why this tool is best fit, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's really neat because I have a couple times now I actually worked with um, couples who are dating or I have had worked with an individual who's been in a dating relationship where we talk about the dating relationship. Mm. Um, but altogether, though, I provide resources and I teach, you know. Um, and that's some kind of, something unique about married, uh, marriage counseling or couples counseling, or at least how I approach it. It's a lot of, here's some teaching components. I mean, I'm going to insert, I'll listen, I'll see where the problems are, the, pa- the patterns, but I'll give you guys some tools. I'll teach about the tools, and then we're going to all together practice them. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. that's kind of like the dynamic or the format that I take. Um, and so being an educator is something that I, again, do. Now, I can easily talk the ears off the whole time, so <laughs> I notice in myself that I got to, you know, slow it down a little bit. That's and, why we uh, have a podcast. <laughs> Just get that yeah. <laughs> You know, um, and so that's just kind of like those different components of like how a counselor in particular can help Mm -hmm. your marriage. There's nothing wrong with going to marriage counseling. You know, I know there's a lot of resistance to it because a lot of times it may be perceived um, that if I go to marriage counseling, it's A, this is the last ditch effort. Mm -hmm. And so if -hmm. we're going, our marriage is in trouble. Or B, um, something must be really, really wrong, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that may be true, you know, that actually those two components actually may be true, but it doesn't always have to, mm. you know. And I think, you know, Liz, you mentioned that distinction between like day-to-day problems versus like everyday problems, uh, those significant problems, Yeah. you know, yeah. Um, 
which is kind of neat because I think part of this podcast is to kind of iron out like, hey, what are these problems that you who are listening that are married are dealing with and how to approach it from these three different perspectives or modalities? Yeah. You know, I think almost so, you could almost visualize it as like a ball of yarn, like a knotted ball of yarn, and there are different ways to come mm-hmm. at it. But you're going to mm-hmm. end up probably overlapping eventually. Mm-hmm. Like if you start out yeah. at coaching, oh, yeah. you might end up at counseling. Or if you start out at counseling, you may end up at spiritual yeah. direction or whatever. You know, like, but there's going to be, there's all different kinds of knots in any relationship. Yeah. Probably all three of these levels is present in almost any relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of like, which one do you want to start with? Which one feels yeah. like... Because I think, you know, as you were talking about working with engaged couples, I was thinking, man, like what a resource to already have a counselor Mm -hmm. in your back pocket when you're engaged. Because when you're engaged, you sort of think you're bulletproof. Like, well, this was the hard part. We discerned the vocation and we made the choice. And the wedding planning is probably the hardest thing we'll ever do. (laughs) And so when we get married, it's going to be great. And then you get into Mm -hmm. marriage and there's so many questions and a lot of them feel really vulnerable and really weird and you don't want to necessarily ask your friends or your family. So to already have mm-hmm. that resource of a counselor in your pocket where you're like, Hey, mm-hmm. funny story. Yeah. <laughs> We're a hot yeah. mess. Six months <laughs> in. Can we talk to you? <laughs> so I was actually going to ask yeah. Jacob for, for the engaged couples or even those who are dating, <clears throat> are they approaching you because um, there is a tension point or are they just go, I want to have the best relationship. And so counseling mm-hmm. is the best way to get those tools um in my experience a few of them have been referred to me by the paris priest um because he identified which is interesting because i guess you can't correlate that to spiritual direction that Mm -hmm. in that that. spiritual component Mm -hmm. he saw patterns that need to be addressed Mm -hmm. um and so working you uh, closely with those spiritual components right those spiritual leaders Mm -hmm. the spiritual directors is an asset that I offered them to say, hey, look, you got engaged couples, send them my way, and I can help with some of that marriage prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we can all agree that we know what it was like before getting married, that, yeah, there was a lot of, like, yeah, we know everything. And it's like, no, we don't, and there's mm-hmm. no resources, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so or there, or there's some place that, that I'm scared to tread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I need encouragement, oh, yeah. but, you know. You know, and mm-hmm. to ask those questions that you don't want to ask a priest you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, or your parents, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or your parents. I was just thinking that would have been, that, that would have been a great, <clears throat> I think it's just a great, um, tool to have, like you said, Liz, to be able to yeah. talk with a counselor as an engaged couple, it's maybe even part of the yeah. process to go, Hey, yeah. here's what this is like. And you tease out maybe some tension points mm-hmm. and you know, it's not a bad thing. It's yeah. just, here's how we can improve well, the relationship. If you think, if you even think about seminary and the way they approach seminary and there's a psych evaluation and there's, you know, spiritual direction, like there, there's a, an intensive process, but there's not an intensive process to getting married. You know, where we get engaged to whoever we feel like getting engaged to. And then the church says, okay, well for six months, meet with your priest once a month and you'll sort of half talk about this, whatever personality exam or whatever thing they want you to take. And you'll go to one retreat and then you're good to go. Oh, and you'll take NFP classes. Or even even like they... They point out like, hey, you know, you take those tests that you're, yeah. you know you're supposed to do that. At least in, mm-hmm. you know, as Catholics, we we have to take those focus mm-hmm. tests. Yeah, they'll point stuff out that like, hey, this is an issue. Yeah, but that's it. Like they'll point something out, but well, you don't. Or give they'll them the even just to work on it. Yeah. Right, or it'll even give you an idea. I remember one of my one of the things that kind of made me chuckle even then, and really does now, was there was a question about if one of your parents is aging, will you let them live with you? Have you guys talked about this? And I'm like. Yeah, but we're not in the situation and I don't know his parents that well and he doesn't know mine that mm-hmm. well and we may change our minds like mm-hmm. I don't know what the situation or one of our parents could refuse to live with mm-hmm. us. You know, I know people whose parents are like, no, put mm-hmm. me in a nursing home. I will not burden you. You know, so there's like there's so much more to it than just have you talked about this? Right. Like, yeah. yeah, but we're not in the situation. We have no idea when that's when push comes to shove. We may need professional help to make a good decision, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, so just kind of that recognition that like. There's more to this than one test can do for me. And I think they know that. I don't think they're goofy. But like, again, Mm -hmm. I remember my spiritual director telling me the church comes in at the very beginning and at the very end of your marriage. They come in with with marriage prep and they leave with the annulment process. But there's not much happening in between. Mm -hmm. And that's where it comes in that we need to be available for people and we need people to know what resources there are out there that that there's a whole world of professionals who can help your marriage 
be better yeah. and be stronger and never get to the annulment process. Mm -hmm. But you have to be willing to be vulnerable and to say, hey, pick me. I need help. By the way, everyone needs help. Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody mm -hmm. says. Everyone needs that. some level of help. Mm -hmm. I, whatever the version of it is, everyone needs help. You speaking up makes you stronger than the people who aren't. Yeah. That's Amen the only that. difference is that you're tougher and stronger than they are. Yeah, well, it takes that, that community. So, yes, totally, totally. This isolation that we have as Americans <laughs> is ridiculous. Don't get me yeah. So, so really, think of us. <laughs> it really is. It's interesting because, like, I think you you, you talked about like the in between. Like, I think this is one of the emphasis of this podcast. You know, uh -huh. this this is part of the in between that. Hey, here's some three different professionals who have mm -hmm. three different perspectives, all Catholic. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like tying us together that mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Um, all Christian. And so keeping that in mind that we are the in-between, you know. Um, and it's interesting because I want to, you know, for the sake of time, I want to make sure that we're kind of on track with it comes to this <laughs> next question. Um, mm -hmm. But I was wondering if, you, if the three of us can just share, you know, okay, we see, you know, what counseling, coaching, spirit direction is. Mm -hmm. um, we see how it can impact and help, you know, our marriages. Um, how do we begin, right? So if one mm -hmm. of you can share just a little bit, just kind of some practical steps of how one would begin. And like one or two s tips you would mm -hmm. give people as they seek you out or seek your role out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Liz, we're going to start with you again. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I would say podcasts for me. It's a hundred percent podcast. That is how I discovered coaching. Coaches give away their stuff for free on their podcasts all the time. And, and it doesn't even matter which podcast you're listening to because they're teaching a lot of the same premise. So, um, some of the ones that I think of off the top of my head are, um, Catholic mom calm by Sterling Jakewith. She's all about motherhood. And so she talks about that. She also has a made for business podcast. If you're a Catholic business owner where she coaches you through your business, the Catholic coaching podcast, again, amazing mm. content by Matt and Aaron Ingold over at Metanoia Catholic. And uh, they, those two are the way I found coaching and I just fell in love with it and pursued it to the, to the end because it's amazing. Uh, another one is Beth Bubick has a podcast called Delay and Pray, and it's actually about coaching you through the process of fasting well as a Catholic. So there are wow. so many coaches out there doing amazing podcasts with totally free information. You can listen to those and get coached. It's just more effective if you have a coach. The second thing, though, is that a lot of coaches offer free first-time calls, free first 30-minute mm. calls. I do as well on my um, website, Tabor Vision. But <laughs> most of these people will coach you for free for 30 minutes and talk to you about coaching, answer any of your questions. Um, there's a lot of coaches on Instagram. You can find mm. a lot of those Catholic coaches on there and just just follow them. Just, fo just start the process by following the information and just learning more. You don't even have to sign up. You don't have to pay anything. Just... That I got coached for the first year just by listening to podcasts mm -hmm. and was, you know, just taught how to start managing my mind. And that's what got me interested in becoming a coach myself. So mm -hmm. honestly, take advantage of free resources because they will get you so far. Mm -hmm. So that's my two cents. Nice. <laughs> what about you, Jacob? <laughs> awesome. So like um, on a basis level, it's just Google, you know, so. Mm. But here's the kicker. I understand that. At least with counselors, I think if out of the three of us, counseling or therapists, by the way, that's the same thing. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to ask. I've been wondering. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, what's the difference? I feel dumb. Yeah. Yeah. There is no significant difference between okay, cool. therapist and counselor. Good. Um, there's a plethora. So, yeah, psychology today is a directory that you can use in speci in targeting specific locations. If you're looking for more of a Catholic perspective, you know, catholictherapist.com is another one. It's interesting, though, because that may still be too broad. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, how do I know when I look at these people's profiles, like who to trust? So obviously, mm. you got to notice what you're attuned to, where the profile says something it's like, oh, I, okay, I can, that resonates with me. Um, but one thing is I kind of evaluate um, and when I work with clients who, and I have done this, and so kind of another way to doing it, kind of the back door here is to trust a therapist, 
So a therapist that you trust, you ask them who mm. they would recommend. Oh, I like so that. there is a sense that, yeah, you could reach out to me and be like, Jake, who would you recommend? And I have done this, and you can do this now, where I would do the search, identify those particular ones, and reach out to them. Because if you trust me, I'll be willing to work with you to find a therapist that works for you when mm-hmm. I can't, obviously, because I have some joy, you know, limitations. Mm-hmm. But if I trust a person and they give me a personal recommendation, I can then extend that trust to that other person. So I think that's another way too, where it's like if you have someone you trust who A, goes to therapy and they say, hey, my therapist is awesome. B, has a spiritual director or coach that you trust who they trust another therapist. Those Mm. are the therapists you trust. And if you know a therapist, yours truly, um, (laughs) That, hey, who would you recommend you go? And typically why I look in therapists, when I help other clients, and I again, like I said, I have done this before with my clients who would move out from the state of Ohio, um, I look at the where they get their education. I am very, very, very biased for good of, you know, for good or for worse of Franciscan. <laughs> but I've been through the program. They have they're very orthodox and they're very um, accurate when it comes to the science. And so if they say in their, you know, education spot of the profile that they're from Franciscan um, or from uh, Divine Mercy College, mm-hmm. um, or there's another college there, um, a theology college that's Christian-based, but, you know, like I tend to look at the education because the education can dictate where they line up in their worldviews, mm-hmm. you know, and that will have a significant impact. Um, so, yeah, like Googling asking people you trust to say, hey, who do you trust? Um, and just starting with that. The kicker is that you would just call or email uh, and start that process. Typically, you just you know meet up with a 15-minute free consultation over the phone or um, you know you do initial you know intake session. But that my my tip is just be picky. You know you're allowed mm-hmm. to say no to a therapist. You're allowed to fire a therapist. Mm-hmm. If it's I not love your that fit. phrase. Mm-hmm. That's just it's just a good phrase. It kind of gives yeah. you like authority, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Freedom. Mm-hmm. It's cool. You know, but yeah. I can only, only, only emphasize to tr- to to pick someone you trust. You know, mm-hmm. um, someone that drives with you, and that's something that you know m- you mentioned, Liz, earlier about just kind of your uniqueness. Like you're funny. You know, <laughs> I have spilled coffee on myself. I have <laughs> tripped in session, and my <laughs> clients just laugh, and so. If you see a therapist or a coach or a spiritual director that are authentically themselves, mm-hmm. that you can see that, like, you know what, they're comfortable and they love mm-hmm. what they do, um, that's a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, I don't just so trip myself, Jake. I trip other people. I won't name names, but I once tripped a specific prince of the church who was very high up in the hierarchy <laughs> with my laptop cord <laughs> at a meeting. The Pope. Oh, it's not quite that high. But he was the next stage down. See, there's only so many cardinals in the United States, so. <laughs> You've seen them. <laughs> oh, my awesome. goodness. How, How about, about you, John? John? How do people find spiritual directors? So I, I would say the first thing is uh, ask your priest not to be the spiritual director, but who they would recommend. I think Ooh. if you go to your priest and say, hey, I'm looking for spiritual director, the first thought through their mind might be, Oh no, not another one. I have no time <laughs> <clears throat> because they're, they're always trapped. But if you're asking, I'm looking for a spiritual director. Uh, do you know of any? Um, they can. That oh, gives them a chance that. to say, "Well, I do some spiritual direction," or "What are you looking for?" Or "Here are some people I already know." Um, another wow. suggestion I would have would be, um, "Who are some holy people in your life that are pursuing holiness that you look up to in the spiritual mm-hmm. life?" Ask them. Who are you going to for spiritual direction? Or do you know any spiritual directors? If they're growing in virtue and in holiness, most likely they have a spiritual director or they've been on a search longer than you are. <laughs> um, so that's another <laughs> one. There are some great websites like out there that. now that uh, also hook up uh, spiritual directors. One is seekdirection.com, I think it's called, um, where you can mm-hmm. put in some information about yourself, your background, and then it'll match you up with a potential spiritual director. Um, but finding mm-hmm. one is only the first step. And then you actually have to have mm. a first meeting with that person. And that's where you're looking for, it's like an interview almost. Um, you're seeing, is this a mm. good fit from human to human? 
um, is their style of direction what I'm looking for and needing right now? Because there's a different styles of spiritual mm. direction. Um, also, mm-hmm. are they faithful to the teachings of the church and are they going to lead me mm. to holiness and fullness of life as Jesus wants me to live? Um, so you might mm-hmm. ask some questions about doctrine or sticky issues or how would you direct or counsel someone mm-hmm. through fill in the blank, you know, NFP, whatever. Or, um, That's cool. Like I just didn't realize it was an interview process because my spiritual director has known me since I was like in high mm-hmm. school. So it was not that this didn't happen, but that's really that fascinating. That would be, be the way that I suggest. I don't think everyone is does that. Okay. Um, but I would suggest okay. that. But are you, are you like saying that. that you're like as – a spiritual direct D that they're allowed to ask questions about you. Yes. Yes. Cause it has to be, yeah. go to that trust. That. Do I trust you enough with my yeah. soul? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> well, and I think that's really interesting about something sensitive like NFP, because I know a lot of people have had bad run-ins with priests about NFP. Yeah. I, I know one mm. woman who, whose priest said to her something along the lines of, so what it's like two weeks of abstinence and then a free for all. And she yeah. was like, yeah. So you understand the suffering super. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can totally relate. And, and it's so funny because I ended up ranting and this is my favorite analogy and I have to share it because this is the stuff I do. I was, I was like, yes, he's saying that cause he's thinking of it from a celibate perspective, but as a celibate person, if you're using it as fasting from food, you just don't go into the bakery and you don't buy anything. Mm -hmm. But as a married person, you're allowed Mm. into the bakery and you're allowed to get something, but you can only have it a certain (laughs) amount of time. And I would be much better at walking past the bakery completely than I would be browsing in the bakery and seeing if I could have something. (laughs) I love that analogy. That is so true. (laughs) Yeah. Love that analogy. Dude, I could do celibate. I did celibate for years. I was great at it. It's this whole on again, off (laughs) again. But yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just blowing hot and cold all the time. (laughs) But that's that that is important to to have that rapport, that that trust. Empathy. And to feel like you can be Mm -hmm. heard Mm -hmm. about these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that is Mm -hmm. I was just an interview. And even during the process, once you do begin actual spiritual direction. It should be an ongoing discernment. Is this the right person for me right now? Sure. And the other sp- and yeah. spiritual director should yeah, be able yeah. to say oh, that so good. as well. It's not like, well, we're in there yeah. forever. Here's my ring. <laughs> no. And even that is so good about, about spiritual direction is that understanding of continual discernment. Because I think most of us think I discern this once and I'm done. Yeah. And that's just not true about almost anything in life outside of your, you know, your spouse. Like that's a one mm-hmm. and done discernment, but everything within the context of marriage and everything within your spiritual del- your life. Like yeah. I feel like sometimes God tells you, I want you to do this. And then he just wanted you to do this until you get to this mm-hmm. point. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then he has a new path. So it's not mm-hmm. that this was it forever. Yeah. This was it for right now. And now it's time mm-hmm. to pivot, yep. you know? Yeah. So it's just, I love that. Like that concept yeah. of having a spiritual director for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's awesome. just neat too because I, I do make an effort. You know, it's interesting because like understanding that they're trying to get to know me and I do communicate to my clients, individual or marriage, that like, hey, look, this is me getting to know you, but you getting to know me, you know, and yeah. I kind of go through like my philosophy of counseling and just kind of how I approach things. And mm-hmm. that usually helps with them getting an idea like where I'm coming from. Um, mm-hmm. And usually that helps with just, minimize not minimizing um taking away any anxiety as well as giving them some encouragement that like oh yeah i, I want to learn tools it's like oh yeah like i need someone to walk with me not someone to tell me what to do like oh yeah like that mm-hmm. you know so you know leaving them with something when you leave you know leaving mm-hmm. them leaving you guys right leaving our clients with hope mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i think if we do that we're being the true instrument that God wants us to be, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So I think, you know, when, as we talk about these things, you know, today, this is just kind of going to transition us and kind of open up so many conversations now because, yeah. you know, you kind of understand a little bit who we are, what we do and how we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, how we are specifically working towards helping couples that mm-hmm. now we just have more fun by talking <laughs> about those issues, the mm-hmm. things that yeah. are in the middle between, you know, the beginning and the end, hopefully the end being death. I don't know. You get the point. <laughs> and um, not by your spouse. It's a morbid podcast. <laughs> not, not by your spouse. No uh, cold case kind of thing going on. Um, so, 
so we just kind of want to invite you guys along this journey with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we invite you um, to leave a review. Uh, mm-hmm. Leave some comments. What are questions you want to ask us mm-hmm. that you want us to answer um, so that we can have this dialogue, so we can give you guys some tools uh, to live out a unique uh, and fulfilling marriage. And so we just want to say thank you for joining us today. Like I said, if you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review, comment, or question. Um, if you didn't like what we heard, you heard, subscribe anyways. Um, give <laughs> us a chance. Better. It would we get better. We, we're like fine wine. We get better with age. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> Great. Great. Oh, all right. Yeah. So with all that being said, um, enjoy the rest of your evening. Um, and we'll see you next on Who You Gonna Call. Bye. Bye. What if they're not in the evening? <laughs> <laughs>